Welcome back to MSP Survivalist, Episode 3, Part 2. We continue speaking to Bill Dungey, a dental MSP, about his client screening process, red flags, cyber insurance, and more. Yeah, you make a you make a good point there about you know having to have uh, I don't know if like minds is the word, but it's a partnership, a partnership, a screening process for for both of you. I would I would imagine it has to be because like this is the way, especially in dental. Other industries, it's not like this, right? Like let's say uh, we have one client, one that's a mechanic, right, and they have computers in their mechanic shop because they have to. But if they didn't have to, they wouldn't do that. Now, in a dental office, if your server's down, if your reception computers get stolen and you don't have other computers, if your network is offline, you are not making money, period. The network infrastructure and the systems that dental offices employ, it's the backbone of the whole operation. Sure, if you don't have hands in mouths, you can't charge for anything. But second to that is your computer systems. So, you know, if we send out a quote, uh, we're a, a Dell reseller and I've done the whole thing, right? I had a turnkey operation set up with a local computer shop who used to build our systems. Then I used to build systems and, you know, I used to buy all the components myself, build them all in-house, image them and ship them out. And then once we got on board with a bigger distributor and started using Dell systems, it's so much easier. I can stand behind, when I'm pricing out a system, I can say, you know, this 10th gen i5 with a smoke and SSD in it is going to absolutely annihilate your 2018 i3. I can say that with complete confidence. So when that conversation turns into, for example, uh, we had a opportunity with a new client recently, maybe at the very beginning of the summer, where I quoted a whole bunch of stuff, the quote came back, we you know, ping-ponged it back and forth a couple times, that's what happens. And then this particular client, uh, or would-be client, uh, went to eBay to see if they could find some systems that were either off lease or the same system I was quoting, but cheaper. And that's pretty much where I cut the cord. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> it, it's just not going to work because there has to be a mutual respect, you know? So that's one of the red flags for me anyway. I mean, it's a give and take as always. I mean, I think you're gonna. I, I think most MSPs would say that they would. They're gonna run into some walls if they uh, accept any customer off the street that happens to ask their services without having any kind of a screening process, without being able to check off some of those boxes, as you say. That's like that's where I'm not so quick to throw Gary V out with the Gary V bathwater, right? Because. When we first started, if you had computers, we wanted to work with you. So we were taking contracts for offices that were a six hour drive away, mm. you know? And so when we first started, it was me and Cliff in a 
busted up old RAV4. And when we were driving between service calls, I had a laptop with one of those like ISP fire sticks in it, solving problems remotely. <laughs> right, so right now we have the luxury and the opportunity to you know, dismiss clients that don't pay. You know, we've had a couple instances where we've had clients that brand new to us, we've never worked with them before and they've called us and they got hit with crypto or something and everything's locked down, they need to do a full restore and we got to work through a long weekend or something and then they just don't pay. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, and so you get those two, but then you get clients that, you know, we've had a couple dentists that 10 years, 10, not only 10 years, I just got a call from this guy uh, last week, the very beginning of last week. Mm -hmm. Every single year he buys us cookies for Christmas, <laughs> you know? And so like last week he was like, well, you know, it's that time again, Bill, I'll have to meet you out here. You know, so yeah. it's not like it's uh, a one-way street when it comes to dental. You just gotta, I guess there's a, an intuition that needs to be developed about it, like anything, right? Sure. Relationships, yeah. Yeah. Do you have a stance on uh, insurance? Do you do you recommend your to your dental clients that they have any kind of cybersecurity insurance? <laughs> I have a stance on insurance. Everybody has a stance on insurance. <laughs> <laughs> um, cybersecurity insurance. You know what? During the uh, like the initial end of the world lockdown in March 2020, uh, I used that time to go do the Security Plus course because. I've always just been like a basement hacker guy. I don't have any certs. So I was like, well, I might as well start with this one. And they were all about cybersecurity insurance. You gotta get insured, you gotta get insured. We have a couple clients that are adamant about cybersecurity insurance and a couple of them that just laugh in the face of like who on earth would pay for that. I don't know personally anybody that's ever made a claim for cybersecurity insurance. Oh, we do. Oh, we do. So many oh, yeah. people. <laughs> well, then educate me. Like this... has an answer to that one. <laughs> yeah. So uh, how does that work? Like, Yeah, Nate, you want to jump in on that? <laughs> yeah, I, I know of at least uh, a couple of very large companies that uh, had multi-million dollar claims uh, against insurance, cyber cybersecurity insurance that paid out. Um, nothing to do with you know, our, our backup software or anything like that, but it was how they were doing and storing their backups and, you know, crypto and, and uh, the hackers that got in just, you know, went in and wiped it all out, you know, and they didn't have any offsite, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I, I've seen some really big messes and, but I've also seen, you know, cyber insurance companies, uh, you know, as soon as something hits, you know, they're they're willing to you know get get quote unquote their guy to talk to the ransomware people to uh, negotiate down a, a ransom you know pay it and get the company up and running as quickly as possible because it costs them less money to pay the ransom than even to even have the downtime of recovering from backups in some cases, which kind of bothers me. You know, it, oh, yeah. the fact that they're gonna get paid. And, and it almost feels like the people that are on the uh, 
negotiating side of the cyber insurance people are in cahoots with the, the ransomware people. <laughs> it's just a little off. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's not that way, it must feel that way. <laughs> well, I mean, you get the vibe like it is. I mean, why don't that insurance company, uh, you know, flake some money off to these MSPs, enhance their quote unquote capabilities and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, mm. hey, they may the insurance company might actually save money yeah. by uh, boosting up the MSPs. But well, you, I don't know. you said a couple big companies, Nate. You think there's like a like a like a barrier, whether like a cost barrier or education barrier that kind of puts puts smaller offices off, or they just it's just a gut gut reaction. Well, I mean, larger companies. The only reason I know some of these larger companies is because I was dealing directly with them. But I know a lot of smaller companies that have had cyber insurance of some sort that that have paid out too. Um, it, I, I've read a couple uh, posts on the uh, MSP subreddit that you know some MSPs, you know, cyber insurance, you know premiums are are like quadrupling or even more and and in some cases not even allowing them to renew because it's getting so bad so mm-hmm. I, I think we're gonna go go through a couple couple years of growing pains here as as this goes through yeah it's almost too good to be true just to have an insurance and then all of a sudden oh yeah they just pay you no problem at all like i can't imagine like the monthlies and premiums and stuff like that are even going to be remotely affordable for everybody i've always wondered that too if like there's hack jobs out there that are insurance companies that's you know just making a quick buck too i'm sure that's happening but yeah that'd be interesting the next five years especially when you're talking about something like uh cybersecurity, right because i mean even if you work in tech but security isn't your thing it's just wizardry you know so these uh some of those like hack insurance providers that you're saying must exist. I agree with you. They must because they could just throw together some, you know, word salad about security and you'd sign the piece of paper thinking you're protected. I I would have to assume that that would be the case. Oh yeah. I mean, fear is a powerful tool. I mean, that's all they're using. I mean, one of our customers an MSP was losing a couple of his customers because another MSP or service provider rather came into the area and had the backing of an actual insurance provider. So they're throwing a lot of, around a lot of money, throwing around a lot of fear tactics and things like that. And that guy lost a customer that was, I don't know what it was, like eight years. And then of course, a couple of weeks later, they totally screwed up everything and they couldn't get in their systems. But, and then of you course, don't you know, say. <laughs> who they fall back on? Yeah, good old reliable. But yeah, it's just stuff like that. It's, it's just insane, eight years of service and boom, gone because of fear. Bill, I imagine you've probably gone through different technologies and solutions over the years. Are there any um, tools that in your in your kit that you find are indispensable or important throughout the course of the day? Uh, Huntress is the big one. They have this technology called a ransomware canary. That uh, man, it's such a good idea. As soon as I instituted it across all of our servers, I was like, man, I wish I thought of this. Uh, basically. It monitors these files that it creates, uh, basically hidden documents on the systems that it's installed on. And if those documents are changed in any way by ransomware, like encrypted by ransomware, it'll flag them and then send you this message and say, hey, by the way, it looks like ransomware's here. It's like kind of an early warning type thing. We kind of go in and out of uh, tool sets. One thing that 
changed a lot for us was uh, learning about virtualization, adopting VMware, and we have a couple clients that have been able to make great use out of virtualization, even if the people on site don't really understand that like there's three servers running in the server. Um, it has saved some of our dental clients from needing a practice management server and an imaging server and just different servers for different applications. The one tool we're just starting to use now, uh, which I'm hoping is uh, recognized much more widely than it is currently, uh, we're just starting to do email phishing campaigns, leveraging a piece of software called GoFish. Uh, it's basically like a self-hosted little uh, email server that can send out emails to targets and track everything about them. So they can track the click rate, the open rate, um, they can track attachments and you can cordon off different messages into different campaigns. So like, for example, uh, I can send out one email to everybody in the organization that's like, uh, you logged out of Facebook, click here to log back into Facebook. And then I can send a more directed and targeted email mm -hmm. to let's say like managers within that organization pretending yeah, to be somebody else from the organization so yeah as a, as a as a marketing guy myself who's not really interfacing with these kind of customers i always imagine uh, that kind of stuff is being a little touchy or sensitive do you you have to kind of negotiate with the, you you know obviously you're going to be they're going to know at some point or at least the management is going to know that you might be conducting these um, kind of test campaigns how does that work yeah, so there's multiple ways you can go about it right either everybody's aware which defeats the purpose because then we're not testing actual posture we're not testing to see how defensively ready or capable your organization is mm -hmm. It's ideal to test against real world considerations, right? I'm kind of staging this, uh, uh, it's kind of like a offensive email plus. Like I'd like to get into some on-site social engineering, some phone and text social engineering uh, to see specifically how much information I can get from some of these targets and using some techniques and tactics and procedures that are found in the real world. Like say, for example, uh, I have a number of sock puppet accounts on the internet. So these are, uh, for all intents and purposes, if you look these people up on the internet, they look like real people. Mm -hmm. uh, two of them specifically I'm quite active with on social media and they have friends and they, Mm -hmm. Like these people that I'm interacting with are convinced that I was in their class at Seneca, right? A local <laughs> college. Wow. Right. And, but the thing is it creates this, uh, this identity online that I can use to, uh, you know, instead of sending the, Hey, uh, click here for your reward type phishing email. I can send an email from somebody who is absolutely, completely believable. 
and I can say, hey, my name is Bob, and I'm from an agency just like yours, and we're not open yet. We're gonna be opening in three weeks at this address, and uh, you know we're having a heck of a time finding a reliable cleaner. Is there any way you can tell me who's doing your cleaning services on site? The idea being, if I can find out who does the cleaning, I could maybe get a, uh, a shirt screen printed with that company, show up as the cleaner and say, you know what, this new temp that we just hired left the mop bucket downstairs. Do you mind if I just run down there and grab it? And you know, like, let's be honest, I'm in Canada, right? Everybody's gonna be like, oh, sure, get down there, boys. You know, like, uh, hold the door for me. Okay, this, I, I gotta mention this, I'm sorry. I gotta drop this in there. Has anybody seen the movie Sneakers? Because I'm just telling you, what you're talking about right now gives me mega well, of course. vibes. Uh, I mean, Sneakers is <laughs> a classic, come on. Oh man, anyways, if you haven't seen it, Go watch Sneakers. What he just <laughs> talked about right now, what Bill was saying, I'm telling you, sorry, had to do it. Yeah, the thing is, like, aside from, I think when most of our clients, if I start discussing cybersecurity, most of our clients envision the guy with the black hoodie in a dark basement, like, you know, with the mechanical keyboard, tuck, 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 like, you know, capital H hacking, right? But the vast, vast majority of loss comes from poorly worded emails from people who look like they have authority asking people to do things they wouldn't normally do. You know, so sure. uh, what that looks like in real time is uh, we just finished up a phishing campaign with a local dental office. But when I say dental office, this is, it's a production. Right? They have a whole whack of stuff going on in there. During that engagement, like I was posing as management from within that building, asking them to send me employee schedules. Or for example, uh, we're just about to start one in uh, January, right after the holidays, that has a much longer time frame, which is ideal because it lets me build and build and build. I can build trust and real relationships with the people that I'm communicating with. And you know, during that, the conversation where we're trying to set out the rules of engagement, what am I allowed to touch? What am I not allowed to touch? Um, this is where I can get maybe a little bit more toward the extreme end of things where it doesn't really fit the scope and scale of a dental office. But if we're talking about a major, like uh, you know, multi-million dollar corporation, I'd be interested to see what do the employees do if, some of these things happen. So not only like if I get a weird email and, oh, this looks like it's from Trevor, but it doesn't look like it's from Trevor. So I'm gonna report it and that's the safest thing to do. Well, what happens if the CEO gets kidnapped? What happens? <laughs> you can go all the way from somebody's trying to get this little dental office to buy Apple gift cards posing as the owner all the way up to when the big boss man comes back from his lunch break, the red team's sitting there waiting at his car saying, actually, you're not going back to your lunch, you're not going back to the office. We wanna see what happens if we pose a kidnapping here. I don't know. Social engineering, I think that's where it's at right now for uh, spreading awareness about uh, cybersecurity because a lot of people think that, uh, well, I'll just install AVG and that'll be good enough. And then yeah. they're responding to every email they get, you know? <laughs> Yep, clicking on everything, opening, replying, yeah. And honestly, Bro, if, I feel if it's the new stop, guys. 
if people stop clicking on things, I'll be out of a job for real. True, true. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, and honestly, I feel it's more the newer guys, right? Because they're already like walking on pins and needles. Like, I got to do good. I got to keep my job, you know. Oh, look at this invoice. Uh, this guy forgot to pay us. You can click and open the invoice. Like, I have five of these emails today. And we have a newer guy that's doing a lot of the account management stuff. And he says, hey, what's this email? I said, don't ever click on it. He's like, oh, yeah, no, I wouldn't do it. But I was like, I was so paranoid that he already had done it. Like, I freaked out. But he didn't do it. Um, he's much smarter than that. But wow. Yeah. You're like, take take the batteries out of his mouse. And be like, you'll get <laughs> yeah. these back when I can trust you. Yeah, just unplug, <laughs> unplug everything um, internet-wise. Yeah, it was uh, it was crazy. This whole, like, phishing thing. Uh, with the emails, I, I'm going to go down probably the darkest rabbit hole ever and learn more about this because that has intrigued the heck out of me. Um, I, I didn't even think about this as a way like there's always intrusion detection and testing, you know, weaknesses and firewalls and things like that. But this is like a whole other level of making sure your clients are, are educated without being able to study for the test first. Or I, I it's just this is crazy. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm, I'm totally intrigued. So I, IDS. I'm good. IDS and IPS are useless if I show up with an orange vest, a clipboard, and command presence. They'll <laughs> yeah, open the door I mean. for me. I'll send Great. you a bunch of links in any case because uh, if you like that, you should start looking up open source intelligence so you can realize like exactly how terrifying the internet is. I'll send you a whole bunch of stuff you can uh, get lost in tonight. Good. I can change up my nightmares a little bit. Bill, you've gotten some some great stories from you uh, so far. Actually, I wanted to hit quickly, you, um, you had saw on your LinkedIn profile that you're also a volunteer firefighter. Yes, sir. That's, that's, that's interesting. Uh, saving, saving people on multiple fronts, I guess. Well, it's just, <laughs> uh, it's the same kind of thing. It's just problem solving, right? And, uh, I mean, you just have a little bit more time to work on computers, I guess. <laughs> Well, right. I, I was going to say, you're, you're fighting fires on both sides, you know, <laughs> the, the actual fires and then IT fires at the same time. Uh, a couple weeks ago, right at the tail end of the summer, we had a fire at a server room. And for any sysadmin or network admin listening, you do not want to be the guy who, like, I was leaving with the fire truck and he was coming in and just, he was like, ghost face. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> I was like, later, skater. <laughs> well, uh, have you seen that they're starting to put uh, lithium batteries in U UPSs now? Really, eh? Yeah, so so think about this. You, all of a sudden, you have a rack full of lithium batteries that starts on fire. You're not putting that out. No, that would be, uh, that would be exciting. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be very white fire <laughs> happening. Yeah. yeah, hot stuff. Well, great, Bill. I, I, we've been we've had some great conversation here. Coming to the close of our conversation today, I had a couple of closing questions. Maybe the greatest lesson you've learned in the last few years. Any lesson that you could impart upon us from working with dental clients for for those that are looking to enter the dental field? Sure, uh, that's easy. Uh, there's a big difference between preparedness and paranoia, and. Uh, especially when it comes to things like planning for uh, emergencies and failover and redundancy. You have to walk that line carefully, but you should think about 
what would be the absolute worst thing that could happen and plan for that? Because uh, I can just tell you from experience, it's not fun getting caught with your pants down. Uh, and especially from an ownership perspective, especially if you have a team working with you and like they kind of look over at you and go, okay, now what? You know, you should at least be thinking actively about if this happens, I'll do that. If that happens, I'll do that. Now there's always the unknown unknown, but um, as somewhere to start, uh, it's too many times I read on Reddit, uh, guys that are either working for crews or have experience from crews that just flatly assume nothing's gonna happen. You know, second to that, I would say um, every single person in every single organization, it doesn't matter uh, what your position is, you should be reading Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. <laughs> Two seconds. Yeah. There's that fireman. There's that, that call to... No, nope, it's just a test. <laughs> just a test. All right, we're good. <laughs> thought they're they pulling you out into the field like, here. Dee, 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 dee. Later, guys. Hell of a closer. Um, exactly. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Anyways, everybody from every single position in every single organization should be reading Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. Uh, the technical fields are plagued with finger pointing. It's an absolute disease that runs through. So I can't go on site to a client's office without the x-ray provider saying, well, no, this is a practice management question. And the practice management people saying, well, it looks like a printer problem to me. And even when we're on the same team, helping the same client, nobody wants to take ownership for the problem, right? So that's one place where I try to get our guys all on the same path where we go, it doesn't matter what the problem is, I'm here and I'm gonna fix it. And that mentality came from uh, not only Jocko's book, Extreme Ownership, he has another one called The Dichotomy of Leadership, uh, but from his podcast, which is just a deep dive on organizational leadership from the perspective of uh, a veteran, uh, but Another one to check out is Start With Why from Simon Sinek. Uh, you can't, fundamentally, you can't put forward good work without a correct aim, and you can aim incorrectly. Uh, I think, I think organizations generally are underserved by people who aren't willing to invest in what's required to be at that position. Even if you're like a base level one help desk, you're not even like a sysadmin yet, it will be known and appreciated if you take those problems, put them on the bar and squat them and be like, I have this, you can trust me with this. You know, so that'd be my two big things is plan for the worst and educate yourself on Jocko Willink. <laughs> I, I think those are, Great recommendations. Can't thank you enough for joining us today. I think you've just given us a wealth of, of things to think about. Thank you uh, very much for the opportunity. Adam, Nate, thanks for joining us today. 
Yep, no problem at all. This is awesome. Hey, Lots of knowledge. Th yeah, thanks for having us. I mean, thanks for putting this all together. It it's very helpful.